Fires burn out of control across Canada. More than 7 million birds have been killed in Canada due to avian flu. The Canadian Forces does not have documents related to a clandestine propaganda program they ran in 2019 and 2020. And election results in Thailand and Turkey show that people are ready for a change. Good morning. It's Monday, May 15th. I'm Nora. I'm back. And here are your headlines. We start this morning with wildfires. Fires are burning in regions all over Canada. First to the east, where a fire is burning out of control in Shelburne County in Nova Scotia. The fire is not as big as what we're seeing out west. Just 10 hectares and fewer than 10 homes have been evacuated, but authorities are obviously concerned. In northwest Saskatchewan, wildfires burned eight cabins to the ground on the traditional territory of the Buffalo River Dene Nation. That fire covers nearly 9,700 hectares and is rapidly growing. 150 people from Buffalo River Dene Nation have been evacuated. Yesterday, the temperature there hit 35 degrees Celsius. Already, there have been evacuations from Lalash, Salto First Nation, and Clearwater River Dene Nation. There were no structures damaged in Lalash. In Alberta, there have been evacuations from five Indigenous communities and homes have been destroyed in Sturgeon Lake Cree Nation and at Fox Lake in Little Red River Cree Nation. Houses were also burned to the ground in the East Prairie Métis Settlement. And finally, in British Columbia, evacuation orders in Fort St. John have forced many people from their homes too. Northern British Columbia is experiencing the same heat wave as Alberta, bad enough that Hannah Swift, a fire information officer, told CBC that, quote, we're seeing July conditions out there. Daytime temperatures are 10 to 15 degrees higher than seasonal average until at least tomorrow. And of course, it's important to note that Indigenous communities bear the brunt of fire season, from having to relocate to faraway destinations to losing things due to fire. The impact is disproportionately borne by them. As of yesterday, 56 fires are burning across British Columbia, and 15 are considered out of control. Next to Quebec, where Morgan Lowry from the Canadian Press is reporting that nearly 1 million birds have died as a result of avian flu in the province since early 2022. The birds either died from flu or they were euthanized to stop the spread of it. For all of Canada, that number is more than 7.6 million birds. There are 20 locations in Quebec that have active avian flu outbreaks, with a sizable cluster in the Montérégie area. There are already more cases this year in Quebec compared to last year. Making things worse is there's a lack of carbon dioxide that they use to kill the birds. It's currently, quote, in short supply because there's so much demand for making carbonated drinks and other uses. The article fails to mention is the connection between factory farming of poultry and the spread of avian flu, which, of course, while the flu doesn't just impact farmed animals, it certainly spreads like wildfire within their coops. Now to national news. The Ottawa citizen David Pulezi is reporting that documents related to, quote, behavior modification training, unquote, that the Canadian forces spent $1.2 million on have disappeared. The training was the same used by parent firm of Cambridge Analytica, reports Pulezi. They're the country that provided data from Facebook to the Trump campaign and the company that fueled genocide in Myanmar. You might remember these things. 
In 2019 and 2020, the forces paid to train 40 military and civilian public affairs staff on the module. The costs included, quote, the purchase of the rights of the courseware, production of various reports, and a test scenario of the behavior modification techniques. Forces spokesperson said that, quote, we do not currently have access, unquote, to the course curriculum, progress reports, and a live case study that the forces personnel used. The citizen has previously reported that the forces used information from social media accounts of people in Ontario and that they compiled data on BLM events. Pulezi reports, quote, military commanders also proceeded with a plan to use propaganda techniques employed during the Afghanistan war, claiming that was needed to head off civil disobedience by Canadians during the COVID-19 pandemic, unquote. Now, I think that this part is particularly interesting. I'm not sure what propaganda techniques that they were talking about and which part of the civil disobedience during the pandemic that they were worried about. I think that our minds immediately go to freedom convoy types, but I bet that they were probably more concerned by people who were left wing and saw an opportunity to point out the contradictions and failures of the Canadian state during the pandemic. Either way, the biggest propaganda technique that I remember from that period of time was embedding so many Canadian journalists alongside soldiers in Afghanistan. I, were there any journalists who were embedded in the convoy who would have headed this off? Mm, I don't think that that probably would have worked so well. But certainly coding things as either you are in support of the government who is doing everything it could to protect us from COVID or not created the conditions for a left wing to actually challenge the government on how it managed the pandemic couldn't have happened. It was really, really difficult. And anybody who is in leadership positions on the left, I'm thinking of the unions especially, tended to side with what government was saying about the pandemic. Anyway, I digress, though I have so many questions about what they thought they were doing and what influence they actually had in certain spheres, especially on social media, to, to dampen down any left-wing agitation related to pandemic management. It would certainly help explain why it was so difficult to talk about the pandemic in a left-wing critical way, especially in the first year. But the article goes on. That's not it. September 2020. Get this. Military personnel, quote, forged a letter from the Nova Scotia government, unquote, that warned people that wolves were on the loose to test their propaganda techniques. You might remember this situation. The document was, quote unquote, inadvertently distributed. People who received the document kind of freaked, not knowing that there were no wolves on the loose and that it was actually a fake document from the military. Pelezi notes that the website, The Canada Files, which some of you might know about, had asked for the curriculum, progress reports, and case study through access to information. When they were told that the documents couldn't be found, The Canada Files submitted a complaint to the information commissioner who started an investigation in 2022. It's the second investigation into these missing documents and how the forces have handled it. I'll finish this part with this quote from the article. Quote, a series of internal investigations in 2021 concluded that military commanders violated federal rules and acted without authority when they ordered intelligence teams to collect information on the public and use propaganda techniques against Canadians. Unquote. This all seems like uh, something that we need to know more about. And so kudos to the Canada Files for being on top of this. And kudos to David Pulezi for apparently being the only mainstream journalist who thinks that this massive problem is enough of a problem that it should be reported on. And finally, two elections you should be paying attention to. The first in Thailand. 
Voters there have rejected military rule, ending nearly a decade of that country's ruling status quo. The Move Forward Party and the Fu Tai Party are projected to win 286 seats of the 500 seats available. Of those 500 seats, 400 are elected directly and 100 are elected through party lists in a system of proportional representation to reflect the popular vote. Both parties won popular vote seats. But it's not clear that they'll be able to appoint the prime minister. There are 250 members of the upper house who are appointed by the military. They also get a vote for prime minister. So it's not clear who they might support. The United Thai Nation Party came in fifth with 36 seats. That's the party that Prime Minister Prayuth Shan Ocha belongs to. He was the chief of the army during the 2014 coup. Since 1932, there have been 13 successful coups and nine failed coups in Thailand. Al Jazeera is reporting that both leading parties want to curb the power of the military and get rid of laws that severely punish people who criticize the monarchy. Both are prepared to work together. And finally, to Turkey, where Recep Tayyip Erdogan has almost reached 50% of the vote. That's the threshold he needs to avoid a runoff ballot. The votes swung back and forth over the 50% threshold last night. The country's state-run media outlet reported that Erdogan had 50.13%, but the Anka news agency had him at 48.87%. Erdogan was seeking another five-year term after 20 years in power. As of this morning, Erdogan is reported to have 49.92% of the votes with 99% of polls counted. Ballots cast outside of Turkey are still being counted. So that one is far from determined and you should definitely pay attention to what's going on there. That's your news for today. I'm glad to be back. It's Monday, May 15th. I'm Nora. And if you're wondering why I sound like this, yeah. I've got a cold while I was in Montreal. I got a massive, nasty cold. But you know what? It's just a cold, so I'm okay with it. That's fine. You might have to suffer through this incredible voice of mine for a couple more days because when I get colds, they sit on my vocal cords and I sound like this. I hope you have a wonderful start to your week.